My name is Danny with Niche Gardens, and I am a hardscaper. All right, Danny, let's get started here. To learn a little bit more about yourself, your business, your background in the industry, can you give our audience a little bit of context about your backstory? Uh, yeah, sure. It's a, kind of an interesting one. Uh, I kind of grew up in this uh, with family members doing landscaping and cutting and mulching and stuff like that. And all through high school, kind of helping family out and stuff like that. Through college, um, you know, it was kind of summer work and stuff like that. So always still kind of active in it. And I always thought that, uh, you know, it, it, mine's an interesting one because I tried more in the beginning to kind of not be happy or not be satisfied. Um, it's kind of one of those things, you know, in our industry, we're kind of looked down on, uh, my mentor actually mentioned to me one time, he said, uh, he said, the years of, uh, yard boy are gone now. And, uh, that kind of made me feel better about what I was doing, but I'd always, I'd been in it, loved it, but as society kind of fits as a whole, we're kind of looked down on, you know, honestly, when you look at stuff, a lot of that's changing now. You know, the 80s and 90s were a lot different um, than now, for sure, because, you know, I'm, I'm very proud actually now to be part of this industry because we we are now a trade. We're true artists. Um, we take this, you know, very professional aspect of the way we look at stuff now versus back in the old days, if you will, where kind of people would look at it and be thinking, you know, you're short of picking up a six pack at the end of the day before you drive home. And so it's, uh, I kind of grew up in and out of it. Uh, I always went back to it because it was a staple for me. I knew how to do it. Uh, I was pretty quick at it. And so most of the beginning of my true career in landscape was spent actually on a weed eater, um, running crews, cutting grass, picking up trash, you name it. So a lot of people ask me, they say, how did you start? And it's kind of a going joke where I say, well, I started on a weed eater, actually. Um, so over the years, I kind of went in and out of different landscape companies, uh, learning different things, but always kind of, you, you know, one thing we do in this industry, uh, if you're not an owner in it or you're dedicated to someone, we, we bounce around a lot. Um, you know, there's always a constant of, of workers that move between landscape companies in the region, in the area that you're in. And so I moved like everybody else doing different things and working for people. And then I came across my mentor, which is Mike Stoner at Stoner Landscape. And uh, Mike was really the one that kind of changed things for me. Uh, I guess when I first started with him, uh, it was kind of interesting, actually. Let me stop that for a second. He He brought this whole new look of what I was getting into and doing. And he brought this new look at it for me when I was actually interviewing with him. And he said, uh, you know, kind of got to the end of everything. And I said, so what do you think? You know, is I got, do I have the job? You know, what's the deal? And kind of sat there for a second. And he said, oh, wait, 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 we, we kind of got a misunderstanding here. This isn't a job interview. And, you know, I'm kind of sitting there like, okay, wait a minute. Why, why am I sitting here? I thought I was coming for a job. And he said, no, 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 I'm looking for an apprentice. And I think right then and there is when it flipped and it changed on me. 
And Mike, you know, years to come, we do a lot of big projects, things like Furman University, the Asian Garden and things like that. And his whole aspect and his way of looking at things, uh, he always said that, um, you know, I'm an artist first thing when I wake up in the morning. And uh, his look on things, the way he guided me, the things he taught me, uh, they, he started out back in kind of the 70s when there wasn't a lot of items around as far as accessories for us to use, not a lot of tools. So they grew up kind of rugged with straps and stuff like that. So he taught me a lot of these old ways of doing things like building walls, for instance, rock walls. And, you know, I kind of started to take it on as an art and uh, moved around again after that a little bit, learning other avenues, kind of working and dealing with contractors and even so much as DOT. And, and then kind of one day, uh, I don't know, it, it took me a while. I'm a late bloomer, if you will. I've been in this industry for a long time, but I'm actually a young business owner in this industry. We're, we're in our third year right now, coming up on our fourth. So um, it took me a long time, I guess, to step off the ledge and Timing was right in the U.S. and um, we had kind of a situation in our family. You know, everybody gets complacent and they say that, you know, in order to break, break complacency, you kind of have to shake the ego a little bit. You know, even our military does that, you know, even to our soldiers. And so my father-in-law got cancer. And um, from that point, I guess I kind of freaked out like, uh, I'll be the head of the family type thing. And we got to get money in the family. We got to, you know, we're going to pay for this and pay for that and do this, that, and the other. So really niche gardens kind of started as a side gig and my son would come home from college and he would help out and things like that. And, um, after a while, you know, my wife were kind of sitting there together and, uh, I said, I kind of got a real problem here. Um, I've got, more business and money over here in this side gig than I do continually working for somebody. And, you know, we kind of sat there for a minute and it's one of those things that many of us have done and said, okay, I, I, we just don't have the money, you know, in order to start up, you just don't have the money, especially because I wanted to focus on install and I didn't really want to go back to maintenance. And, uh, the timing was right in the U.S. Things were turning, you know, three years ago. It was looking really good. Interest rates down and stuff like that. And, you know, my wife just showed up to me one day and she said, so are you still thinking more about it? And this, that, and the other. I said, yeah, it's doing really good. And she said, okay, let's do it. I, I figured it out. And so she had a game plan for us to find the funds and beg and borrow from banks and stuff like that to get started. And, you know, one of the things I want to tell a lot of people, you know, we've, we've been successful right now and, uh, but it's kind of like a fairy tale. Um, you, you don't just show up in this industry all of a sudden and buy a bunch of stuff and, you know, and, and don't get me wrong on this. We, you know, we have machines that we've invested money in, but we don't have nice trucks and pearly gates and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we kind of pieced it together and we got started off, but, in this industry, that's really kind of dangerous. You know, you kind of flirt with disaster when you grow fast in this industry. So if you grow really fast and everything's big and then all of a sudden the legs just get clipped out from underneath people. And so, you know, 
there's a lot of anxiety for us in that category because, you know, I know from being in this industry a long time, you know, it's okay, this, this doesn't work. This doesn't happen. This is, you know, not real. Something's going to happen. And a lot of people have kind of reassured me. They were like, um, you know, Danny, it's not new. You've been here a long time. Everybody's kind of just been waiting for you to do this. So, you know, we've got a big network at hand. I've met a lot of people over the years. So it's, it's worked out really good for us. Um, that's, that's kind of how we all started and, and, you know, kind of kicked things off. And, you know, my son works for me, uh, or maybe I work for him. I'm not sure how you really look <laughs> at that. Um, we've got young guys, uh, that work They're They're one of them is pretty experienced now. He's been with us about three years and the rest of them are newcomers. Um, you know, not to get long winded on all of this, but I encourage people to reach out to the younger group that's coming out of high school. They're kind of lost right now. Um, there's a lot of turmoil between do I go to college, do I learn a trade? And I love where things are going now because, you know, people like, well, the, the heads of them, you know, uh, ICPI and NCMA and things like that you know, they're kind of showing that, hey, there's an actual career field. And then the companies, you know, that we lay pavers for and stuff like that, they're backing it also. So anytime you can get a hold of a young individual and kind of make an influence on them and show them that this is an actual trade, you know, you you can be an apprentice in this industry. You you can walk straight. It's It's not as bad as everybody makes it to seem sometimes like you're on a shovel, for instance. Um, that's going to be kind of our direction is, is youth really, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And you mentioned, there's a few things in that story that I want to bring up, starting with growing too fast. And that's, that's something that I also think about in my business. And I mean, there's just so much to invest in, in this industry for your business that you can really get carried away with that and, and really sink yourself really fast. But my question to you is, what is growing too fast for you? When you were, when you decided to jump off that jumping point to start your own business, what did you start with? What, what was, can you, can you define a little bit more what growing too fast was for your specific situation? Cause it will be different for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, ours was, I guess, but you know, my network has been great. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but at the same time, it's been a lot of stress. Um, the reason is, is because you, you, you do acquire these tools that you need, you know, first off, you're, you're probably not a huge company at first. You've got two or three guys, for instance, or may, you know, you literally start with just you and somebody else. And so you look at these uh, pieces of equipment, you know, to kind of help up and, and make up for this labor, you know, I laugh all the time and I point at the ditch, witch, and, uh, you know, I tell people that's two people right there working. And, um, so you buy these things and it's all new, unless you were brought up exchanging large amounts of cash when, when it starts up and this money flows in and then you watch it flow back out again, there's a lot of anxiety that happens at first, but, growing too fast the the biggest part of it for us was 
you know, I kind of, I kind of tell my wife all this time, I said, boy, I said, I, I stuck my thumb in the pie and I can't get it out now. Um, it's kind of like, once you start it, uh, it, 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 either you have it and you advertise and stuff like that. And it rolls really fast for you. Maybe your rates are right. Maybe they're a little bit lower because you're kicking off and stuff like that. But once you start it, it starts rolling really fast. Um, and, and for me, it's just keeping up. Um, I've had a ton of people, uh, you know, a lot of people want to help me run my business, for instance, and they want a percent of it. You know, they want to say, well, I can show you this and teach you how to do that. And all for an exchange of within, you know, the first three years of this percent, for instance. And so you're kind of, you kind of at this conundrum where you're trying to figure out, you know, do, do you just blow things up? Okay. And you take off and you run with it. You hope and pray for the best. And, you know, you go really big, really fast. Your name rolls really hard and you do great. Or you all of a sudden about two or three years into it, you know, and we hit a recession or something and your legs get knocked out from underneath you. So growing has been my biggest thing. I've been encouraged to, um, you know, when I say, well, I'm, I'm booked until next year. And they say, well, that's your problem right there. You, you shouldn't be booked into next year. You need to hire employees to get that work done, to keep up with what you've got available to you. But I, I got into this because, again, this is different for me. I'm not I'm not here and don't get me wrong. I need cash and everybody needs cash, but I'm not here for that. Mine is kind of more holding on to that true tried worker in this industry and producing quality. Um, so I've chosen to, I guess right now, which is kind of the worst is, is I dabble in between. So um, I, I, I bid and I get jobs that I know that I can do. Uh, they definitely press the limits, you know, I like to stay on that edge of it, but don't go too far. Um, but then keep quality employees at the same time, you got to train them also. So it's kind of like you got your foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time. Um, what we're going to pretty much do. So our, our view kind of going into this was, you know, one to get a name out there. That was our first year. And, you know, get it rolling around, start judging, you know, how we need to advertise and stuff like that. Then into the second year, kind of find a few stable people um, to start building on. And then what happened in the second year for us was I kind of sat back and said, you know, people kept saying, it's, I guess, a play on words, you know, they, they kept saying, you know, you need to find your niche. Don't, don't go too big. Don't try to do too much. And so I looked at everything as a whole in this industry and just from doing this for so long, and I'm not to put down plants or anything like that. I love plants. Um, but from a business aspect, they're, they're like rolling the dice. You know, you, you put in this plant, you charge for it. And then it's like, will it live or will it die? Or <laughs> who will kill it? Um, so I kind of wanted to knock that edge off a little bit. And I was talking to my son and, and, and Dean, who's, who's been with me from the beginning. And I said, you know, I really want to just focus on hardscapes. You know, I, I think we could be fine. I think we'll, we'll find the work and, you know, we'll try to focus on that avenue. And so last year they, they were like, 
yeah, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. We like it. You know, you can show us what to do and we'll do what you tell us to do. And so it was like another avenue where I go and I stick my thumb in the pie again. And it's kind of like, oh, crap, my, my thumb's stuck. So once again, kind of business is hyped up. Our name is rolling around. You know, we're, we're doing the best that we can do. I, everybody tells me they love our work um, and, and, I, and I appreciate it. But in the end of the day, to be honest with you, I, I can pick my work apart left and right. I can stand there and just devour it for instance and somebody else walk up and go god you you know you're absolutely crazy this is beautiful but the guys are learning that quality and and that work and 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 i think you know getting back to the beginning where the question actually was before i got off on a tangent um it's having that foot on the gas and the brake at the same time um I guess you really need to decide which avenue is going to be for you. Are you a spreadsheet guy and, you know, you're here to make thousands of dollars and maybe sell your company one day, or are you building something that, you know, in my situation, I'll be turning the company over to the guys, I guess when either I die on a shovel or I can't get up and hold one in my hand anymore. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's the big thing is, is figure out, who you're going to be, you know, what's, what, what are you in this for? Yeah. I like, I like your thought process behind all this. And you've obviously really thought this through about what this, this business means to you and, uh, and, and in your life. And I, I've got a, you know, it's cause it's like a lifestyle business, right? Everybody's business has to match their lifestyle, their ambitions, and you know what they want it to be and just like you my business is is nothing big and i don't want it to get big and i and i want that back order of projects that that you have uh, that's going into next year and to know that you know if that recession does hit next year i'm going to be somewhat okay for a certain amount of time and hopefully i've also got money in the bank to be able to withstand that recession because it's definitely coming it's coming you know recessions happen whether it's next year the year after you know a recession is going to come so i really like that you've really thought that through with your business yeah and uh, you know really again i can't say enough about mike stoner you know really affected my life as far as as a mentor And he always told me, you know, we would talk about recessions and we went through a recession together, actually. Um, Actually, we we went through a recession probably when the company had its biggest, biggest uh, project um, at Stoner Landscape, which was Furman University. Uh, And he said all the time, he said, um, you know, the world's crashing around us. He said, but we're we're as busy as can be. And, you know, I say, yeah. And he go, well, do you know why? I said, why don't you know? because everybody wants us to work for him and he'd say yes but the reason is is because we do quality work we love what we do and we always represent the customer best and you know little things that mike told me back then is today i still share it with the guys i mean my son looks at him and calls him his grandfather um but you know it's a constant exchange of kind of this old wisdom um, it's, it's really, you know, you can, you can go really hard and fast and make a lot of money really quick, but it's, it's, how's it going to be residual and how are you going to hold up, you know, the true stress test of business, you know, what's going to happen in recession. 
Yeah, and it's been so good for so long that it's definitely coming uh, sooner rather than later. My my, my guess, I guess. And uh, yeah, I, I like everything that you're saying about that topic. And it, it seems that you've created from what you've learned in the past from Mike and to implement that into your own business. It's kind of like you've created a company culture around that, uh, that quality. And, and it's not something that you just talk about. You guys put it that into action in your business. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll it's, I guess it's not really a good joke, but it's definitely said a lot. Danny's not afraid to go backwards in order to keep going forwards. So, you know, everybody looks at our stuff and they're like, wow, it looks really good. And it, it's a learning process for everybody. The guys, it's like me learning how to communicate. How, how do I teach the stuff that I learned? I learned it really well, but I, I, you know, I don't know how to teach. Sometimes you don't know how to get across information. And, you know, I, it's, it's a common practice for us to kind of get somewhere, do something and look at it and go, oh man, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Pull it up. You know, we, we got to start over and, you know, everybody go, God, you know, that cost us three days. And, you know, my, my wife's a numbers lady, you know, she's over here kind of tapping the watch, looking at me, you know, let's, let's wrap this up. And, uh, if you know it it's always everybody that i've gotten as far as referrals it, the the first thing that comes out of my mouth was i heard what a good job you did at boom at such and such and i'm you know i might be losing a few dollars out of my pocket right now um but my again my ultimate goal isn't really for me it's for my guys um i believe us here is I'm creating an environment. I, I want to be employee owned, to be honest with you, or have some definite profit share with my guys that are going to stay committed and be here with me. Because again, and, and I can't express this enough to other business owners, you know, let's keep in mind that I'm telling you over 20 something years, I roamed between landscape companies. And the reason was because I couldn't find anybody that would really take care of me. I mean, they may have wanted to, but there was always something that held them back from that. And if I can encourage anybody to go longevity is, is just make sure you're taking care of who takes care of you. It's that's, that's the key. Um, they gotta have something to belong to everybody. Even the people that tell you, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to have my own company. I don't want to have my own things. I, I don't want to do this. The truth of reality is it might just be an ego talking, but everybody's got this longing for something. Um, and a lot of times they just can't put their finger on it and stuff like that. So if we don't feel like we get that itch scratched, then we do bounce and we do move for 50 cents for a dollar more an hour you know, uh, five more vacation days a year. We move because we, we kind of look at it and say, okay, as long as I'm going forwards, I'm not going backwards. But the truth of reality is sometimes some of the forwards are, are the backwards. You know, if you stop and slow down for a little bit and, you know, this is for the young guys out there, if you'll stop and, and realize for a minute, like these, these owners that are, working really hard to build things and, you know, start these companies out. If you'll stay committed with them, as long as they're good people, they're going to take care of you because they can't do all of this work on their own. And at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned the 
perception of of uh you know workers in this industry people in this industry has really changed since you know you came into this industry uh can you in your opinion what what has caused that change over that that period of time uh honestly um it's definitely the organizations i feel and and really really you know some people are going to disagree because they area or something like that but kind of like on the community college type level um you know they're they're stretching out these programs and they're trying to think of these two-year programs and they throw horticulture into it um so them and, and i think people like icpi for instance um you know it was a laugh the other day we were talking to the guys and they said well what, explain to me exactly why I want to do this because it's it's required here. You're you're gonna if you're gonna work for me, you're going to end up going through classes. And uh, I laughed and I said, I remember when it was just a three ring binder. Um, you know, this uh, many many moons ago, and uh, they stayed with it and they stuck with it, and they've gone to this professionalism that's that's extended to. Everybody, like, for instance, you know, kids literally coming out of high school. But I think it was that and then big players, too. Um, and when I say big players, uh, like just in the hardscape industry, for instance, you know, Belgard and people like that, this this constant approach of outdoor living and, and creating it and making it as if it's a work of art. And, you know, and then after that, it was a few individuals just picking it up and running with it and going, you know, absolutely crazy to where now it's, you know, now it's you want to become the artist that some people are doing, you know, like like Sean at Premier, for instance. I mean, I've probably been doing this longer than him and I want to be like him, you know, <laughs> so. So I think it's gone from, you know, programs, community college up to the businesses that create the material for us. Um, and then on up to now where we're all kind of challenging each other. And, you know, I, I honestly, now I think the biggest thing is to help keep this industry going is, you know, things like what you're doing in social media, um, because it really is becoming a big deal now. Definitely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with, with, how just looking at it that that lens and these uh especially you know the manufacturers that are pushing this industry forward and uh the innovation that's coming up from their end to the tools that's being created and all this new technology that's coming in it's all it's all playing a role in changing this industry for the better now, Danny, I want to kind of pivot here into talking more about business, your business, how you operate within your business. Yeah, man. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> so starting with sales here, how how have you noticed that you are acquiring customers in your business? And how have you seen that change since you started your business a few years back? It, this is interesting for us. Um, and, and I don't think this necessarily happens for everybody. Actually, I know for a fact it doesn't. You know, again, if somebody's listening to this and they decide that, well, this guy did this from nothing. It's it's a unique situation. I got lucky, for instance. You know, I, I waited long enough. But the the thing about it is, um, 
we work completely off referrals and I know that might seem crazy. It's been that way from the beginning and it's still how I'm booked up. Um, it's, I guess the ongoing joke is that, you know, somebody tells me at least once a month or two times a month, they say, you know, you need a website page. And I'm like, okay, what for? I can't, I can't keep up with what we've got going on right now. I don't want to turn up the the heat anymore. Um, so for us, it's strictly off of referrals. Now, let me state the flip side of that. Once my guys are in place and I'm comfortable that everybody they're don't get me wrong when I say this, they're, they're bought into the quality part of it. But sometimes when you're starting as an installer, you learn enough really quick to be really dangerous fast. Um, so when the guys are stable enough to watch others that can, you know, be dangerous really fast, for instance, then I'm probably going to have to switch over and definitely do Google. Um, I've, you know, talked to some people about it, even like with Nick's situation um, at Earthworks, you know, just doing Google and website uh, will be definitely our push. And then I think next year, uh, if everything's right and I feel good at the end of the season, um, we'll do things like home and garden shows. Um, those, those I think will be key for us in our area because we're booming right now. Um, it does make me nervous because everything booms before it flatlines. Um, but you know, started on referrals and still on referrals right now. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty incredible. Now, once somebody contacts you uh, through a referral, where do you take that conversation from there? Whether they email you, call you, what what does that first conversation look like in terms of identifying if this is a customer for you? Um, so really the first thing is I kind of just get a brief synopsis of you know, what, what makes you call us today type thing, you know, what is it that you're looking for? And once I kind of get a brief description, uh, either before or after that question, I kind of try to feel and say, you know, who, how did you find out about us? Um, right after that, once I get the synopsis and stuff like that, you know, I, I understand qualifying customers and vetting them and all this other kind of stuff. I've done it for years, but for me right now, I, I'm not saying that I act on everything that comes my way, but I at least go and look and see what's happening. Um, and the reason is, is because sometimes people, they know they need something and they've had somebody put an idea in their head. And they, so they instantly just say, okay, I need this. And you may qualify them and say, okay, well, that's not for me. You know, like for instance, they may call and say, well, I've got a drainage problem on the side of my driveway. Um, you know, I need a, a, a dry Creek bed, you know, do you do that? Well, of course, if I just acted on that and said, man, that's, that's too small. I, I can't, I can't pull all my equipment over there and move everybody just for river rocks. Well, but then if I'll take the time to go and actually investigate it and look at it, it's kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. So you've got this problem because you need a wall here. 
you know, we need to build up the neighbor's yard a little bit and divert the water from going into yours. So I act on a lot of stuff. Now, someone calls up and says, um, I, I need pruning. You know, I'm, I'm looking for pruning and stuff like that. I just instantly stop and say, you know, okay, I, I don't do any kind of maintenance. I'm just not equipped for it. Um, so, you know, I'm not telling everybody to act on everything that comes across your way, but like in my situation, I'm in my third year, I pretty much go check out just about everything. Um, and, and again, it's just because I don't know exactly if they understand what they're even trying to communicate to me. Yeah, I definitely feel like if if you're operating on referrals, it definitely needs a little bit less pre-qualification because obviously they've talked to somebody that you maybe have done work for and, you know, they kind of have an idea of what you already do and and maybe even your price point if they are close enough with the person that refer, that uh, you did work for previously. Yeah, I like that. I love that answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Once you know that you want to meet this customer, uh, the initial consultation, first off, do you charge for uh, a consultations or not? No, I don't. And then why is that? So I don't because of the simple fact that uh, I love that relationship of, um, I, I like to help people. So I tell people all the time, I say, you know, even if you don't do business with me, I'll still answer your questions. Um, it's the same thing I do with actual landscapers in the area too. You know, they, they look at everybody and they're like, well, that's my competition. I'm like, oh, man, that's kind of your brother. It's kind of like a, a union, if you will. Um, so, you know, I like to answer questions. I, I like to see different things. I like to try to resolve problems. I love like troubleshooting and, and seeking out, you know, how to fix something. Um, so I kind of look at it like I'm just meeting somebody to be honest with you. I, I don't even know. I really go to the job in the beginning and, and see dollar signs to be honest with you. That I, I guess my approach on that's how we're successful. I don't put a lot of stress on myself about that, I guess. Yeah, definitely. If you approach it that way and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't charge for consultations. It's always nice to hear, you know, why people do charge for consultations or don't charge for consultations. Uh, it's always an interesting take on that and how that works for their business. And I agree if you're, if you're working out off of referrals, again, it goes back to, you have a little bit more comfort comfortability with them. And uh, they, they've probably seen your work and they know what they're getting into with you. So they already are, I guess, a little bit more pre-qualified than a customer that just searched you on Google or just found out for, right. from another source from about you guys. Right, right. So with that consultation, what kind of questions are you asking them in order to decide whether or not they're a customer for you, if you guys can provide a solution for them, you know, if they want some sort of hardscape work done, what kind of questions are you asking them to decide uh, those things as well as what you're going to include in their project? So nine times out of 10, uh, I like to make kind of a little short joke in the beginning just to kind of break the ice. And then the next thing after that is I just kind of look at them point blank and say, okay, why'd you call me today? What can I help you out with? 
And, you know, I let them go on, you know, about what their issue is, what they think is the issue. Um, and, you know, I like to hear their solution and stuff like that. And then I'm, if I could, if I could give anybody advice to anybody, it's kind of like, be careful in the beginning if somebody suggests something and it may be the, just the dumbest thing in the world because you never know who that advice came from for them. So, you know, I kind of just take it in and then, you know, Mike kind of taught me at that point in time, you kind of look and say, you know, well, let me, let's look at it from this direction. Here's an idea that I've got. Um, not to really look at them and go, no, no, that's not going to work. You know, that's, that's, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, but that's kind of my icebreaker is just, Hey, tell me exactly, you know, why am I here today? Why am I taking up your time? Once you know what you're going to include in, in a project, um, and, and you're looking at sending off a quote to this customer, what do you do to, you know, land that project? Do you present the a design to that customer? Do you meet with them once more, twice more? Can you walk us through after that initial meeting, how that process works for you? Here's the biggest portion of still actually in the initial meeting that leads on through to the next category for me. So I, because I've been doing this a long time, you know, I've done several bids, several proposals, not just for myself, but for other companies. I can look at things pretty quickly, as I'm sure a lot of people can, and have a feeling of a dollar amount. Um, so I like to kind of say, well, for me, looking at this project and representing you the best way, this is what I think something like this could run. And I throw those numbers out there and then put a range on them because I never know if I'm 10% high or 10% low, for instance. Um, and at that point in time, it's kind of look for the cringe effect. You know, how, how did that number hit them? And, you know, you may be looking at something and it's like, wow, that's going to take $20,000. And they go, oh, wow, no, I only have 2000 So it's kind of right then and there. It's like, okay, do you want to take care of this? Will you increase your budget? If not, and then I, I can't really help you out. Here's some advice from, you know, I'll even lead people to say, hey, maybe give this guy a call. He, he might be able to do it for that amount. I can't. I, I know what you need and I can't do it for that amount. I'm sorry. Um, and if it goes from that point and they go, no, 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 that's what I was thinking. Um, then what happens at that time is I come home and it used to be that I actually drew. Um, it's a very long process. Um, but again, that's what Mike taught me to do was how to draw and do layovers and trace and, all that kind of stuff. So I'd spend hours making these drawings so that I could then take off, get a proposal, do my takeoff, and then go and present it to them. Now, since then, uh, you know, your time gets a lot less and it gets a lot more valuable as an owner as you progress through the years. So I switched over and I don't know if I can mention I, I got a software. I, I don't yep. know if I can mention like oh, actual sure. companies or not. Oh, okay. So real-time architect. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it just completely st streamlined my whole process. And uh, so, 
typically after that, you know, I literally tell them, you know, okay, I'm going to come to you with a basic design, something, a visual aid that you can see, and we'll talk dollars. Um, sometimes they say, well, you know, can you send me the drawing over? Now, this is where I kind of advise people, kind of like at first I said, you know, you're so anxious. You're like, yeah, let me send you the drawing. And then you come to find out you're bidding against three other contractors and you lose, but then you drive by the job six months later and you're like, man, that's my freaking design right there. <laughs> and, and you lose out on this money. And, you know, again, my, my wife being the boss lady, you know, she's like, that's it. This is done. This ain't happening no more. And so now we say, you know, we can't release a drawing to you right now, or it's going to cost this much. I can send it to you, but I'll have to invoice you this amount, or we can just sit down in your home and go through everything and decide if this is for you, you like it, uh, then we'll really start to move forward. Or you may look and say, man, you're, you're way out of here. You know, this, this is nowhere near what I wanted to do. It's way too much. And I kind of separate at that point in time with a little bit of loss of time, but keep in mind just because you lose a customer uh, because your budget didn't fit or your project didn't fit doesn't mean that they're not going to be at dinner with someone and them have an issue and they go, you know, it didn't work out between them, but man, Danny, he sure did give me a lot of information. He really spent time with me. And even in the end, when I didn't do work with him, he was still really nice about it. And we just parted ways and I didn't know him a dime. So that is another residual. And that's another reason, you know, people look at me all the time and they say, man, you give up too much for free. And I'm like, really, do I? Because I'm not spending any money in advertising. So right. what am, how am I really losing on this? Um, again, you know, a lot of people business-wise, I mean, they'll actually listen to this podcast and be like, my God, how's this, how's this redneck running a company down there in South Carolina? <laughs> um, it's kind of like we do it with toothpicks and duct tape down here. <laughs> um, but uh, again, it's this long haul thing for us. Um, it's really important to me. I don't, I don't know your age, but as I'm closing in on 50 now, it's, I've got this feeling like I need to leave something and it's not necessarily like a legacy, like some trophy or something like that, but I feel like I need to leave something. And I think if these young men, if I teach them right and, and teach them old ways and new ways and encourage them to do better for themselves and their family and kind of everybody join together in a company instead of being numbers, um, I feel like that's how I'm going to kind of live. My, my thing I tell my son all the time is, you know, I, I don't really care that I'll die, you know, on a shovel or with a shovel in my hand. I said, what, what really matters to me is what people are going to say about me when I'm gone. Um, so it's so crucial. Again, you know, when, when people say, well, you know, you really went too far, you did too much for that job. It's all leading up to when I turn things over to the guys and it's this foundation of this, quality, tried, true, honesty, you know, hard workers, um, great manners, things like that, that I think is going to be the longevity of the company. And, you know, ultimately that's how I'm going to kind of win, you know, for many years after I'm gone. Absolutely. I, I really like your, your processing behind all this and I'm a big fan of free and in our industry, like 
discounts don't really work you like if if you say oh i'm giving 30 percent off installs well you're, you're providing a quote you can always mark up 30 percent and say it's down 30 percent. it doesn't make sense but free makes sense and the easiest thing we can give away is a design and i you know some people say hey you should be charging for designs but you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of free designs, especially when you're starting out to create that demand for your business. So one day you can then charge for designs. And I exactly. Think that's, that's the value add there for a business, right? Yes. Yes. It's that long term look at things. It's it's kind of like, well, don't cut your nose off to spite your face. It's like I'm not cutting anything. You know, I'm just biding my time. Exactly. That it's that long term. I, I really like your your thought process behind that. And it's very much on the same wavelength of what I'm doing with my business as well. Well, cool. Either we're both screwing up or we're both doing a good thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so coming down to landing that that customer, in terms of payment plans, how do you operate? Do you can you talk through uh, you know what your payment plan is like for a customer with that down payment uh, and moving forward? Yeah, yeah, man. So at first, super sketchy. Uh, I had this vision that. And I, and I still hold it to a certain extent, but I had this vision that um, you don't owe me a dime until you tell me that you're completely happy. Um, and it's a, it's a really good motto, but it sucks when the bank doesn't back that motto. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we've learned kind of the hard way. My wife, again, the finances of it, she's like, listen, this, this is not working. It's commendable what you're doing, but you know, we, we need to start taking a percent and I'll open the account and we'll pull out of that and then we'll take another increment. So really when it comes to like specifically like increment payments, it, it depends on the amount. Um, she'll tell me, for instance, and I just throw numbers out there, you know, let's, let's say it's $20,000 job and she'll say, okay, you know, take 30% and then you can get the rest in the end as long as it's going to be three weeks. And I'm like, well, it's, it's going to be four or five weeks and, you know, or something like that. And she'll say, okay, then we'll take our 30%. And then I turn around and I need to get an incremental payment in the middle. So what she's done is she's balanced my expenses out um, for things I need for the job with the rotation of that incremental payment coming in. Typically now, like for instance, I was doing like a 20% and she just told me the other day, she's like, listen, you're, you're not doing a 20% down payment job. It's, we need more. This is, this doesn't jive, you know, the numbers don't jive. And so, you know, we've kind of built up now it's a 30%, um, special orders. Uh, so I got my wrist slapped on that one. Um, now it's 50% uh for special orders and then you know either it seems like for us it's either a down payment and then we take the rest of the payment at the end or it's a larger job um and i guess really let's let's maybe say let's maybe say 60 to 100 and she'll drop two incremental payments in between it um it really depends on how long she thinks I'm going to be on the job. Like for instance, this past winter, 
uh, a three month job because of the weather down here, uh, which was freak freakishly wet. Uh, it put us three months over. So a three month job took almost six months to do. And, um, if it wasn't for her setting up that incremental payment, it, you know, we would have flatlined in the middle of the job or I'd had to, you know, tuck my tail between my legs and knock on a door and say, Hey man, can I have some grocery money? Um, but for us now, it's definitely going to be that way. Um, it's a smart way of doing business. That's for sure. Um, and, and it's a good way of just keeping, you know, your cash flow rotating and moving around where we, I, I know how to do this work. Um, I'm really good at being outside and, and working in it. I suck completely at inside uh, like business work. Uh, that is what I'm learning right now. Um, so, for, you know, for instance, we, we kicked the speed up this year and established quality workers. And then next year, our focus is uh, which Josh Sutton has kind of led me to this is kind of like, okay, get into a software program and start actually putting numbers in and making everything match. Um, so uh, that that's our, uh, you know, again, it's kind of long winded answer, but the incremental payments are biggest thing, 30%. And then, you know, hopefully it's a big enough job. We can, you know, take a few more payments in between. Definitely. Now, Danny, you've been in business for a bit now. And with any business, you go through uh, some highs and lows. And I want to get into a low point with you right now, because I feel like sharing a horror story in your business really helps somebody just starting their business put in some sort of systems in place or keep that in the back of their mind to help prevent that happening in their business. So my next question to you is, do you have a horror story from your business, whether it's on site, whether it's with payments, a customer, whatever it might be, do you have a horror story that you'd want to share with us? So, you know, there's so many like individual things like mistakes, you know, there's, there's some of them, you know, I don't even know they're really worth mentioning. But, you know, I can tell you that, you know, we, we went through a job this winter and, and I got slammed by the weather. And so I'm burning up profit in payroll. Um, so by the time I finish, you know, I spent so much time on this job that it's like, OK, well, that's great. We paid bills, you know, so it's those horror stories. But really for me, like, so the true horror story is probably every every three weeks probably with me it's a cycle that i go through where the nights get real lonely you know you you start to question yourself you know god are we going to be able to continue this and you know it's it, it, the real horror story i guess is is going to be the same in everybody it's just at different times it's that doubt so so my true horror story is doubt you know it's that's that's my biggest thing that I'm up against. All the other stuff, like little losses, um, they suck, um, but it's not really a horror story. So the first thing I want to tell everybody is is be cool with screwing up, man. It's you're you're going to do it. It's it's cool. It's okay. You're going to lose a few thousand dollars here and there. You're going to make a mistake. 
and it can be a horror store for you, or you can just turn around and kind of knock the dust off and say, okay, shit, I'm never going to do that again, you know? So that's kind of my biggest thing. If I could encourage anybody starting out and stuff like that, it's once you step off the ledge, you're, you're definitely falling. So don't ever worry if you're not moving forward and stuff like that, you're still falling as, as soon as, you know, as, as long as your phone is ringing, you know, there's still hope in it. Um, but that's my biggest thing, you know, and I know maybe everybody's looking for a true horror story and, you know, Nick had a really good one, you know, with his situation with the stairs. Um, but you know, again, mine's, mine's a little bit different, man. My, my horror story again is just the doubt, you know, I know that seems weird. I don't even know if I really answered your question on that, to be honest with you. Oh, totally. I mean, it, it from my perspective, it kind of shows me that you're not really worried about those micro losses because they're definitely going to happen in any business, no matter how much you prepare yourself for them, but you're more concerned about them, the bigger picture, the macro and something that we all struggle with as entrepreneurs, as business owners is, is that doubt. Yeah. And, and like you said, again, it's the micro thing, man, don't get lost in it. It'll, it'll eat you alive. I mean, You'll lose the big picture. You'll lose the big dollar because you're you're chasing a dime around, um, you know. And I know these dollar amounts they they can get big sometimes in mistakes. You know, for instance, we didn't talk about how to move pallets of rock up and down a driveway, and we had to get it out, and it was wet, and so we destroyed this gravel driveway. Um, you know, it was already bad enough. It's a rainy winter and, you know, we're trying to get out of there and pull all this rock out. And so we destroy this gravel driveway. And, you know, literally I, I, I took $3,000 out of my pocket and I reestablished the driveway brand new and didn't ask for a dime of it. So somebody looking at it and go, man, that's a horror story. It's like, yeah, but guess what? I'm never going to do this again. You know, it doesn't, you know, I'd always look at stuff and say, okay, that's a concrete driveway. Okay. I'm not responsible for your driveway, but never in a million years did I ever look at a gravel driveway and think, wow, I'm going to completely destroy this gravel driveway. Um, so I just, it sucks, you know, especially when you've got the boss lady on you and you know, you're like, I got to spend three grand out of our money. And you know, and she's kind of gotten, she's kind of helped a lot with it because she'll kind of look at me and she'll go, well, are you going to do that again? I'm like, nope, I'll never do that again. <laughs> and she's like, okay, lesson learned. Let's move on. Um, that's another thing, you know, man, I can't express enough gratitude for her. Cause it, let me tell you something. If you're, if you're going to try and do this by yourself, um, <laughs> find a support group, man, you really need it. <laughs> Um, it's a hard industry to work in, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so many moving parts. You know what I mean? It's, I said to somebody the other day, they said, well, what's the biggest challenge of your job? I said, there's so many freaking part numbers. That's the problem. It, it's so true. And it, it, for most of us, uh, I would definitely like say the majority of us, we come into this industry as technicians. We, we know the trade. We know that 
we want to install. We don't necessarily come in it as, as a, you know, with a business owner mentality. And it's that transition, that switch. And especially if you're doing it by yourself, it gets really lonely. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd tell there's a friend of ours, they've got a partnership. They've, they've partnered up. And I said, man, you're so lucky. You know, and he's like, ah, we go tooth and nail at each other. I was like, yeah, but you got like, like, for instance, if I want to take a vacation right now, it's like impossible. It's not that I don't trust my guys. It's not that they're not really good or they know stuff, but I want to be there. You know what I mean? It's, it's that question and answer and show. And, you know, yes, you can't always FaceTime something and you can't always sketch it on a piece of paper and take a picture of it. Um, but when you got that partner, you know, you've got that backup. It's, uh. I, I don't know. It's um, it definitely feels lonely sometimes, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, I couldn't agree. Yeah. More. So, Danny, with everything we've talked about, we're gonna change a little bit of uh, some gears with this now, and and get into the installation side of things, the on-site side of things. Do you have any you, things that you want to cover in this episode in terms of how you guys operate on the job site, whether that's installation products that you stand behind anything in particular about things on the job site? Yeah. So our biggest thing, uh, there's a word that gets repeatedly said around our job sites every single day. And it's technique, technique, technique. Um, there's a lot of great tools and I'll go into those, but first and foremost to the young bucks out there, um, really focus on your body dynamics, uh, and what you're doing. Um, you're going to end up my age and you're going to start having to repair things. If you don't, um, really think about your basic tools and how you're using them. Um, you know, one of the most valuable tools I, th I think that I own is a spade, for instance. Um, you know, and, and there's a reason why there's a spade and the spade cuts the earth. Now switch your shovel and get a round point and clean the hole with the round point because it's lighter. Um, so it's little things like that constantly daily. Our biggest thing on our job site is techniques, how you're moving, um, how we start up, you know, we start up the same way and we end the same day we end the same way each day. Um, you know, we pull everything out, we get it going, we set it up in the same spot, you know, find homes for things, for instance, I don't like things scattered all over a job site. Um, so everything has always got a home where it's supposed to go. Um, but like in general, outside of that little spiel about technique uh, and take care of your body and body dynamics is, um, so for me, the most valuable tool is two things. Number one is real time architect because it saves so much time and I, I can't, I, I don't know. I just can't think it enough. It really brought a lot of freedom to me as an owner. And then the next thing is Pave Tech's airlift. Um, when you're 48 years old and you can unload a pallet of Blue 60 by yourself, you know, within what, 10 to 15 minutes or something like that, you know, it's on a gator base. So it's a little bit cheating. Um, and in the end, you know, tell somebody to go get another pallet and bring it to you and be able to start another one. It's that's a big deal for me. Um, I bought lots of stuff over the last couple of years. You know, your basics, your saws and stuff like that. Um, 
but really I think that airlift tool has been the biggest thing for me. Um, saws, you know, um, the dustless saw is from IQ is, is a good saw, you know, they're working a few bucks out of things, but the basics of being able to stand beside your guy on the ground and him call out measurements to you and you cut right beside him, you know, without dust being everywhere and, and just, you know, we, we've all been in that fog where, you know, you're cutting for hours and you don't have access to water or something like that. You know, it makes a, a big difference. Um, you know, the saw has really helped us out a lot. That's for sure. Um, let's see what some other things, you know, altimeters. Uh, I love them. Um, our, our main one right now is Zip. Um, I really like it right now. Uh, I think they're great. Uh, they're really good for evaluating for proposals and things like that. And maybe getting footings and stuff like that started. But, you know, honestly, like uh, uh, Joe and I talked, you know, up, up at Maplehurst, um, the, the true thing that you should be using is, almost, you know, a builder's level or a laser. Um, Sometimes, sometimes when you get too tied up with zip levels or altimeters, um, if you're, you know, like me, I've got OCD. There's, you know, it's an ongoing joke here. Um, you get lost in these small micro numbers, for instance, and and it takes forever to do something when you're trying to like reduce 0.6 to 0.3, you know. Um, so uh, laser levels and builders levels are first and foremost. Actually, a guy in Kentucky asked me the other day, I've been helping him kind of build a wall from a distance. And he said, well, what, what do I need first? I was like, you need a builder's level. You know, he said, well, I was looking at the altimeters, looking at this. I was like, first and foremost, man, everybody in this industry should grab a builder's level, learn how to use it, learn how to work with it, and then go do whatever you want after that. But everybody should have and use and know how to use a builder's level. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about um, growing too fast at the beginning of the episode and purchasing equipment and the tools needed. So any tools or any big purchases or equipment coming up that you are going to want to purchase in your business? Uh, anything like that coming up? Well, you know, the big wish list right now is probably a 550 four-door dump. Um, that's my biggest wish right now. Um, we, we started out with the basic, you know, I'd always told somebody, if I'm going to build a company, the first machine I get is a ditch witch, um, you know, a mini skid. Uh, and I, and it, somebody asked me the other day, they said, do you really like your SK800? And I said, it built this company. Mm-hmm. Um, so in saying that now everybody fights over the one, you know, we, we run two crews right now and it's a constant, like, I, I want the mini skid today. I want, I want the mini skid today. So it's constantly back and forth. So I say a dump truck, I, I don't know if I'm going to get that first or if I'm going to have to get another mini skid. Gotcha. So Danny, as we come to a close with this interview, I've got a couple more questions for you. And you've mentioned uh, your mentor a couple of times in this, in this interview, but uh, 
including that mentor and if you want to talk about him some more but also other people that you look up to do you have any shout outs that you want to give in terms of people online offline that have really helped influence you within this industry oh man you know i thought and I, I knew i was going to get this question so i'm just going to go down a list okay and and i'll i might pull off the sideline for a few people and stuff like that but it's definitely a healthy list of people because I've never felt part of something so much until my son forced me to be on Instagram and joining like the Heartscape, Heartscape Brotherhood or Heartscape Mafia or Paver King and stuff like that. Um, but first and foremost is Jeff Taphouse at Techo Block. Um, I made the decision to move our company hard and fast to Hardscape. I was going to be a pro contractor. Um, it was just a matter of who, who's going to be the lucky one to get me type thing. And, um, Tab house really, he, you know, he went on a limb for us. He saw our work and stuff like that. And he said, bam, that's, this is definitely, you know, my guy for the Greenville area. This is, this is who I want. And he took a chance on us and it really paid off this relationship between Techo Block and I, you know, through Jeff Tap House. Um, so that's kind of my biggest one. And of course, is sidekick Eric Smith or Techo Smith. Um, some of the big ones that I talk to all the time, Nick at Earthworks, Josh at Sutton, uh, Jordan at Evolve, uh, Joe at Maplehurst, can't forget my boy Cody at Southern Charm. Um, my local guys, which we started a guild in the area. So Garden Bun or Stephen Bun, Blake, he just goes by Blake on Instagram, Josh Pitts at Carolina, Patrick Rumsey over at Southern Lawn. Uh, and you know, our true spirit leader of everybody at the guild is Wyatt at Wyatt Farms. Um, the other ones, you know, really the, the big ones, you know, DNR and Stacy and uh, RC outdoors and then Sean, you know, I think, I think the world of him, it's, it's kind of weird because people get big and you, you lose time. It's not that they don't want to talk to you, but they just don't have time to, but, and you know how busy Sean is, but it doesn't matter if you send him a message or not, or you have a question. He always answered the question. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few out there. There's a lot that I started with like mill spec. Oh, my my boy Todd at Campus Landscape down in Tampa Bay. Um, love him to death. I think a lot of him. Um, man, there's a bunch and I forgot a bunch, but you know, it is what it is. I'm old. So my final question for you, Danny, as we round out this interview is knowing what you know now, what is that one thing that you wish you knew from the very start of starting your business? All right. So... I wish I would have known that I was a bad subcontractor. Yup. Uh, it's weird. I'm, I'm not a good subcontractor. It's probably not good for me if builders hear this, but it is what it is. Um, I'm not a good subcontractor because um, it's, I, I was taught to represent the homeowner and it's kind of hard when you're a subcontractor. So I wish I would have known that I, the the sad thing is I did know that I just didn't know it had the title of subcontractor attached to it. Um, and a friend of mine, you know, who I was subcontracting through and he said, you know, 
I said, I just feel like I'm not doing a good job for them. And he said, it's okay. He said, you're not a subcontractor, man. It's, it's okay. It's not who you are, you know, stop trying to be a subcontractor. And I think right then it was kind of like, Oh God, that's a huge relief off me. I suck at being a subcontractor. Okay, cool. Let me focus on me. Then let me focus on the company. Um, I'll, I'll do work for people. Um, but I have to have that direct contact with my customer. I, I have to know if I'm screwing up. I have to know if I'm going wrong. I have to address issues immediately as they come up. Um, I don't like a process of if you find something wrong, call me, send me a message. I'll call them. We'll talk about it. Then we'll call you back and we'll do this. It's kind of like, no, 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 no. Cause a lot of stuff gets lost in translations. Um, but that's my main thing. And again, to newcomers, figure out who you want to be. It's not necessarily who you are right now, but go ahead and start with figuring out who you want to be and, and start down that path and stay on it. Don't, don't veer off too much. If you are a subcontractor, stay a subcontractor. You know, that's, that's what you want to do. And you started out doing, um, that's my biggest thing. I wish I'd have known. Oh, I guess also that I suck at being a business owner. That would have been sweet. <laughs> that would have been so sweet in the beginning. You know, you walk into this thing and you're like, well, I can do this. I got this. I got this. And then into that third year, you're like, oh, my God, how have I made it this far? You know, I got to tighten up this. You know, I got to work on being an actual owner instead of an installer. And uh, it's hard, man. It's my, my mentor told me, he said, uh, you know, I used to always tell him, I'm like, it's time to get off the machine, old man. And he's like, mm-hmm. Someday somebody's going to say that to you, and I wish I would be there to hear them say that to you. And it, and it really is, once you're an installer, it's like a heart thing, you know. you. It's weird, and people say, well, you, you, you just love this. And it's kind of like, you know, why the hell do I love this? I put myself through so much pain. But it's at the end, you know, you kind of look at things and you're like, wow, look what I accomplished. You know, it's going to be here for a while. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. And Danny, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a great chat with you. As we close things out, I just want to ask, where can our audience learn more about everything that you've got going on over there? So pretty much the only way to do it, and my phone number's on it, is Instagram at NicheGardensSC. And uh, my phone number's on there. So feel free. You can direct message me. Uh, I already have people that do it. Uh, if you got a question um, or if you want to bounce something around and maybe just figure it out together or, you know, just, just call me or direct message me or put up a smoke signal, whatever works best.